to the Food Magic Podcast. Join me on a journey to uncover the secret recipe to food and beverage industry success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Food Magic Podcast. I am so freaking excited to introduce you to my friend, Anthony Wark, the city manager for New Jersey, PA, and Delaware for Match. And they focus on Diageo as a client. Who is Diageo, Sir Anthony? What brands do you work with, darling? Well, what a lovely welcome. <laughs> um, Diageo is a international company. They're a liquor supply group. Mm. So they represent or supply brands like Kettle One, Don Julio, Crown Royal, Bullet Bourbon, um, Smirnoff Vodka, Tangeray, Bailey's. Um, so yeah, it's a liquor supply company. They're international, publicly traded, um, and they have a lot of kind of third-party agencies. I work for Match. MG, which is their experiential marketing arm. Ooh. Well, how did they get so lucky to bring you into the liquor industry? Well, liquor for me kind of peel the onion back. It started a while back. I've always okay. been in food, hospitality, um, kind of worked my way from a kitchen to a GM to opening restaurants. Um, and then I moved back to Philadelphia from Miami where I was living. And I saw this great opportunity to kind of get out of the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. It's a little soul sucking and I have FOMO for life. Uh, for the record, I'm 34 and I still have FOMO. Uh, because <laughs> I, I just, my, ever goes away. Yeah, yeah, I just, I was uh, in my mid-20s doing all these things, so I was always working. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really looking to get something outside of the industry, but still could work on my talent or leverage that ability. Mm -hmm. So uh, I came back, I saw this job. I used to do, um, I used to work for a staff, a hospitality staffing company. Ooh. And we got hired to run Diageo's World Class, or Best in Class, and really what it is, it's a world kind of the Olympics for cocktails. That's and so fun. it was super complex, but super fun and mm -hmm. a lot of spare no expense, so a very luxe experience. They yeah. bought out the one hotel in Miami and it goes for on for a week. And I just really clicked. I clicked with all the reps, I clicked with the brand ambassadors. I really could get behind the energy in the liquor business. So I came back to Philly and I saw this random post after I had been hired somewhere. And I was like, uh, this job has my name all over it. It's events, um, it's sponsorship, it's working with multiple different teams. Um, so I thought this is easily something I can do and I really understand the Diageo brands and what their philosophy is, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is very superior or competitive in the liquor business. Um, they have a really strong sense of, and I know this may sound cheesy, but being compliant or doing the right thing, mm -hmm. even though at first it doesn't look like it's as advantageous financially. Sure. Uh, they're it's, playing the long game. Yeah, they're playing the long game, and they never are in the dark spot. So it's, That's uh, pretty amazing. It's, yeah, it's a definitely a privilege. Ooh, okay, I must ask, what is your all-time favorite cocktail? Uh, you know, all-time favorite, I really think cocktails, like colors or food, all goes with your mood. <laughs> so, uh, like, the new thing that's all the rage uh, for me, <laughs> and it sounds surprising if you haven't, please do, a Bullet BLT. So, Ooh. Bullet Bourbon, 
lemon wheel and tonic. So bullet and tonic or bourbon and tonic. Got it. Delish. Totally unexpected in flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the sweetness of the bullet really mellows down that uh, tonic flavor. So it's an easy drinking winter or summer. Oh, lovely. Interesting. Should people pair it with a BLT sandwich? That a double BLT is what I'd call that on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> so can we dive back into your experience in Miami with sure. food? Yeah, so I went I used to work for Star Restaurants. Mm -hmm. Steven Star and shout I Shout out, shout out. Shout out, shout out. Great company. Um I think when I, I grew up in Bucks County, so mm -hmm. going into the city from Bucks County was like, oh my God, look at these great restaurants, yeah. these cool trendy people. It's invigorating. Yeah, it really pushed me into culinary in a great respect. Um, when I got out, I go, well, I'll never work for Steven Starr until I'm like in my 40s or 50s, because you have to be really good to work there. Mm -hmm. um, so I got a job in New York City right outside of, right after college. Okay. And I went to school for culinary. Yes, you uh, did. Culinary Institute of America grad, Ooh. for those listening, we are very <laughs> proud. Um, so I jumped right into the city. I went right to front of house. I went right to opening for a company called Tour de France. Mm -hmm. The economy tanked. I was then working at the New York Palace Hotel in their food and beverage department, um, and I was unemployed, and my friend was working at Morimoto in the meatpacking district, mm. and I couldn't stand, after about a month of unemployment, it kind of gets a little annoying, because you need to do something with your life, uh, and I was... 20. Um, so, <laughs> so, and I just had this gumption to like be very successful and competitive with my brothers and I have to be the cool son. <laughs> uh, so I went and worked there as a host Okay. and they knew I had the management experience and um, funny story, this is so off topic, but really fun. We love off topic. So there was a tea house inside the Chelsea market, which is where Morimoto is and then mm -hmm. Budokan's on the other street. So I would go to the tea market, and this woman would do tarot card reading. And she goes, I just want to let you know there's three women that are going to guide you through the next experience in your life. So, you know, I'm thinking the Virgin Mary, a nun. <laughs> so it was a girl, the GM, who's amazing. Her name is Marlene. She just looks really – she's like Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada, uh, but like a supermodel. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. And very sweet, but down to business. And she um, overheard, was getting a call, like, how they need a manager in Budokan. And she's like, oh, my God, Anthony, you go over. And, I'll, yeah, I'm going to send over this guy that's working for us as a host, you know, and he'd be perfect for it. And I'm thinking, I'm never going to get a job at Budokan. In 2000, I think, 10, it was the most lucrative restaurant in the country. Wow. Uh, only one meal period, uh, 2,000 square feet, 600 to 2,000 uh, guests a night. So I didn't think I'd get it. And that's when I met probably my greatest mentor, uh, and that was Steve Scott. Mm -hmm. It's not a girl, but there were two girls that met me and kind of carried me through the career. Nonetheless, um, I got the job, and I felt really pressured to have to – one, I really respected it. Yeah. Two, I felt really pressured to compete. Like, I didn't want to get paid less because I was younger, and yeah. I was doing – you know, my when I was renegotiating my salary, it was I am doing better, if not more, than what – my counterparts are doing um, and wow. I wanted to be able to say that in the interview so that kind of jumped me into restaurant openings so I opened Dandelion um, I also opened Makoto down in Miami which is what brought me there mm -hmm. um, Continental 
down in Miami and Steak 954, which is up in Fort Lauderdale with Steven wow. Starr. Um, a really great experience. Just in, there is a formula in business. Business, I once went to, this is so crazy and so off topic again, but I went to <laughs> theater school, okay. uh, Boston Conservatory, before I went to the Culinary Institute. Amazing. And I remember a teacher in um, the drama class, and he <laughs> said, in drama. In drama. And he said, um, art is, there's no science, there's no formula. You don't act this in science, do this, you are likely, if not guaranteed, this. Mm -hmm. Like a PL or a budget. Sure. Um, in Steven Starr, right, to take it back, is Steven Starr has it down to a science. Open a restaurant like this, follow this method, and you will, and like you will have a restaurant. Yeah. So that got me to GM for the Men in Hospitality Company, which is basically like saying Star in South Beach. Okay. And they had a really cool concept. Um, at least this wasn't popular then, but it was a speakeasy. So you think you're walking into a mechanic shop, mm -hmm. and there's like a Mexican people there cooking some tacos in the back of a truck. <laughs> Little do you know that the porter potty that's there actually opens you up to a nightclub. Oh my goodness. And I go, who are these people? I want to work with them. This is where the trend at the beach at the time was going. And I got hired to open their first fine dining restaurant, Red Ginger, um, in south of Fifth, which is like the Upper East Side of Manhattan, but maybe one... 20th of the size. Okay. Like a little street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that was a great experience. Probably one of the hardest times in my career in terms of how much effort I had to put in and that same energy of wanting to be the best, wanting to do well, uh, was there, but I was kind of alone. I was like in wow. a silo, where in Star you have this big team and you have all these departments you can lean on. Menon was a little different and Understandably, because they were hotels and pizza joints and nightclubs. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of hard translating fine dining sometimes. But wow. it was a great experience. You seem too young for all of these incredible experiences. Tell me about it. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's what I said on my date. Um, just joking. <laughs> just joking. Uh, but yeah, so that, I eventually left there. I came back to Philadelphia and uh, fell in love, which is mm -hmm. what my goal was. And because I'm a gypsy, if you can't tell, <laughs> I went to Atlanta and started working uh, back in restaurants, but in the event space. And I sold uh, STK, which is owned by the One Group, a mm -hmm. uh, big popular steakhouse that turns into a nightclub. Very and cool. I, Atlanta's like the new Hollywood because of their tax credits. It's actually more affordable to film in Atlanta than Hollywood for these movie companies. So that was money. Um, <laughs> and really fun because everyone in that company realizes that at the end of the day, we put on a party every night you come in. Mm -hmm. So it was a great great experience by far one of the best jobs I've ever had uh, had to leave because we had to come back to Philly Atlanta wasn't our place mm -hmm. and that's when I ran into this you know kind of got back into the liquor side of things or the marketing yeah. side um, and it really is a accumulation of all of the pieces events hospitality liquor yeah. sales I'm not really selling but my job is to put Diageo brands in front of consumers where they mm -hmm. don't expect to see them and interact with them ultimately to taste them. So yeah. when you look at 
you know, I think what's really fascinating is you look at uh, millennials didn't want to be spoken to in general from a marketing perspective. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to see ads, they didn't want commercials, they wanted to find their own way, they were in, much more independent. The new generation, Gen Z, 24 and below, mm-hmm. uh, they want to be spoken to, but who they're being spoken from, like who's speaking to them, it's really important. Needs to have a curated look and feel. So if you scroll through Instagram, everyone kind of has their own brand, and mm-hmm. they want a brand that lines up with them. So there's a lot more personalization and intimacy with brands yeah. in this next generation. Not to say millennials are out of the picture. I mean, these are the, the prime consumers. Um, but I think, uh, nonetheless, with everything being so digital, people want to touch and feel and have a connection. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that Diageo or Crown Royal does that I think is amazing, um, they've launched the Purple Bag Project. So the Please pr- tell me more. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. So basically, you walk up to the table, mm-hmm. wherever you're at this event or whatever we're doing, um, you walk up to this table and there's a bunch of to- travel toiletries and a bunch of snacks and foods. And the consumer grabs a bunch of these things and stuffs them into Crown Royal purple bags. Mm-hmm. And then they step aside and there's a postcard that they can write a letter to a soldier who is requesting these kind of things. So every week, every month, soldiers overseas receive boxes from Crown Royal with personalized messages from consumers. I did it. I almost started crying when I started writing my letter. Uh. But it was a really great way to emotionally engage a consumer um, in an unexpected way and kind of tie them to the brand. Like, you immediately get loyalty. You're doing, you know, their tagline is live generously. And I think that's, when you think of experiential marketing, that's a really, really pitch perfect experience because you're getting that emotion you're getting that touch feel yeah and also saying it in an understated way in a gentleman way I guess I love that yeah can you talk a little bit about what that could look like for more of a startup or a small company how does how does a company that's smaller or more in the beginning of their journey really also engage their customer in that way yeah I think one time this just came to my mind we were speaking I was in Barnes and Nobles pretending to be smart and I was just (laughs) going through books that intrigued me and one of them was on marketing and sales and he said the the this CEO is saying, I position my office, the structure of my office, mm-hmm. my sales team is right next to my marketing team. They're mm-hmm. like in the same room because they go hand in hand. And I think as for a startup, uh, depending on what the product is and how relevant it makes sense to events, um, sure. is you want to you want to kind of get them when they're not expecting it. Uh, so I think... Going to events is a. There's a lot of diff. There's thousands of events. So many. Some events. of them are very easy to get into, and mm-hmm. if you have something creative, and you have something that people need, mm-hmm. I think, and that, and it's pretty affordable to get it out there. Also, social media can carry that. We know can carry that to China, uh, that messaging. So I think, how would I incorporate this into a small business? Is I would say. Um, you know, less time, you have to get your product out there, they have to see that it's there, Mm -hmm. but I think 
starting small, it's probably much more affordable to get into event spaces than it is to take out ads or right. beef up websites or you know buy ads on Facebook. And then Facebook. you get FaceTime with your potential you and do. hopefully future consumers, yep. which is really different and than feedback. just hanging out. Yes. And you get feedback and you can real time. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I think giveaways at those events, something that they can take mm-hmm. or a sample of that product uh, is really important. That's amazing. So you said Barnes and Nobles, I must ask. Yeah. What is one of your favorite, most impactful books? Ooh. Well, like, do we have to be business related totally or up in to life? You. In life, in business. All right, well, I have two. Or... I'll say two. Okay, beautiful. Well, three. <laughs> three books. The first book, and these are no in particular order, the first book would be, and this is so gay, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but it's true, would be Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. I think everyone needs to read that book, male, female, no matter where you are in your life, you need to stop and start reading that book, because I think it just has some wholesome real-life truths, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Gilbert, the author, has a really great voice in the book, and kind of, it's an exciting story, but it's also very deep. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes forget how intrinsic uh, that spirit element is in our life and how important it is to listen to that intuition. It's also really difficult when you don't listen to your intuition, you stop having a connection with it. You almost yeah. have to reinvigorate yes. your connection, practice that yep. muscle to hear you your to, intuition. Yeah, it's a practice that muscle. Great way. You have to keep it plugged in. You have yeah. to turn the light on sometimes. Totally. Um, even just... Like, going through walks in nature is really important. Just you have to reconnect. Definitely. Um, there was a quote I saw somewhere. I'm a big quote person. So is Hillary Clinton. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> uh, she's a book of quotes that she would read when she was first lady, like, going to do speeches. It's so fun. Anyway, she there's a great quote I saw. Mother Teresa, she said, uh, what do you do when you pray? And she said, and now, now, we're, now we're at Dalai Lama speaking. Um, <laughs> she says, uh, what I do to pray, I listen. And then what does God do? He listens. And she Mm. says, if you don't know what that means, I don't know what, I can't tell you anymore. Wow. But that kind of stillness, that space, I think it's really cool. So that's one. Beautiful. Elizabeth (laughs) Gilbert. Number two would be um, Culinary Mastery. Okay. And it's a brilliant book. If you're in the food biz, it's a must. But what it is, it's, it's kind of old. I'm sure they've updated the new one. This was back in like 2009 when I read it. But it is, I still go to it. It's kind of like stories of very popular, bougie, trendy restaurants, successful mm-hmm. restaurants um, that are, you know, notable. And then they kind of give you the story of how they develop a menu. Mm. And I think in any business, the menu or the product, how you showcase that. Uh, to people is really important. And one thing I learned there that I think would be helpful for anybody Mm -hmm. would be the concept of buff. Buff. So it comes from how do you plate? Mm -hmm. So how do you you begin a concept? So it has to have balance, unity, flow, and function. So when you're building a plate or you're trying to design a product or you're trying to design an ad or... That's all I can think of. Uh, when you're trying to do those things, you want to kind of just take a step back and go, okay, buff. Is it balanced? Is it, is it all cohesive? Is it flowing? And does it serve its function? 
beautiful. Uh, there's also really great things like apricots are in season in this season, and this is what you pair an apricot with. And these are the cooking methods with an apricot. Oh, then you'd amazing. go to bacon, and you'd go to cherries, etc. So really fun, nerdy, yeah. foodie book, particularly for those in the food business. I think it's fun. I have a similar one called the Flavor Thesaurus. Ooh, and fun. That's, yes, that's yes, what it is. I will show it to you. And yeah. you look up any ingredient, and it tells you how to pair it with other ingredients. Yep. yep. And at least you don't have to take it so literally, but you at least have direction. Yeah. And you know some I mean? are really surprising, and then yes. you try it. And that's what you need, an element of surprise, something that people are willing to try but haven't yep. tried before. Yep. I agree. And your third book, darling. My third book. Um, oh, gosh. It's so good. Okay. It's called The Nanny Diaries. <laughs> it's a total beach read. I know we're coming to the end of the summer. Um, <laughs> she's basically a nanny for this uber-rich family. Okay. Um, they have a son named Grayer, which if I had a son, that's what I'd name him. Nathan Grayer is what I would name my son. But anyway. Good that you know that already. Because I have the book. Uh, <laughs> it's just a very, I think it's very sophisticated and new, but I don't know charming so um, <laughs> um, so yeah it's a really good book it's just a really fun read I read it at the beach um, it was years ago I read it again uh, like last year uh, it's summertime pulled out it's still timeless they, he go, I don't want to tell you what happens but there's all this obviously these issues in the marriage of this big wealthy family and what mm -hmm. she has to see and then the guy in the elevator it's romantic <laughs> so it's a good book it's like a movie I love that. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to go on topic, yeah, off sure. topic, on topic, yeah. whatever that we're means. Gonna fly. Right? We're going to yeah. fly. Let's yeah. go. Let's dive a little bit into liquor because sure. it's really rare for someone to be in the position to do what you do. And mm -hmm. I admire all of the work that you've done. I love collaborating you. with you. And yes, very fun. That's a conversation in and of itself. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. So that's how you make friends, right? We met it's through work, and now we're friends. Yes, and yes. Two, two worlds become one. Yeah. Two become one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you talk about what is happening in the liquor industry? Because we're seeing companies act so differently than they did in the past. And sure. there are large conglomerates like Diageo and many more. What are mm -hmm. they doing to stand out on those shelves? Well, I think true. I think the bigger question is what does the new guy do to stand out? Okay. Um, because these brands like a Kettle One and a Tangeray, they're staples. You've got to have them at your bar. Um, and that just takes a really solid product mm -hmm. and a lot of money. Um, okay. So that's how that works. Um, I think they're very, very, their big thing and where I think a lot of energy goes to is the marketing mm -hmm. um, and more so who they're speaking to. Who do they want to relate to? So believe it or not, the younger millennials and this new generation coming are, I don't understand it, but they are looking for spirits with less alcohol volume. Because Whoa. the concept that they live in is we want to get through the night. Okay. We don't want to get hammered. Which, to the older folk, it's like that's what you did when you went out and drank. You were trying to get drunk. Mm -hmm. Now it's we want to carry that buzz or carry that, ex that spirit uh, <laughs> throughout the event. Um, so you'll see a lot of brands uh, really in every category in terms of whiskey, vodka, tequila, uh, really striving to drive down that... Um, alcohol per volume. Kettle One Botanicals, Smirnoff Zero Sugar Infusions mm -hmm. uh, came to light uh, really on that premise of being a little more wholesome, 
So okay. not infusing things with sugar, but we're going to infuse it before it becomes distilled. So it's mm -hmm. almost like the essence of whatever the flavors are, strawberry, watermelon, or cucumber mint. Um, so I think uh, that's one. Mm -hmm. um, so bending with the times, looking at who the new consumer is and what do they want to see in here. Uh, I think that's how they do it. And I also think, like I said earlier, they do it right. Uh, they're not at everything. They're at the right things. Yeah. And they take a life. What I've learned from Diageo as the client, just seeing them work, um, they really take a lot of time to evaluate does this work so they'll mm -hmm. go out full force they'll shoot all the guns and then it kind of stops pull back and now let's take the learnings and move forward and anybody you talk to in my day-to-day -day life in, internally or through match mm -hmm. is just how can we do this better or that was really good what did you do let's share this um, so I really think it's listening to the consumer listening to the audience of what they want I love that mm -hmm. um, before you mentioned a mentor, so yeah. can you talk a little bit about the role that either that mentor or other mentors have played in your life and the big lessons that you took with you? Yeah, uh, I'm going to start with the ultimate lesson. Okay. Um, We're ready, drum roll, please. Yeah. <sighs> um, I, when I was in school, mm -hmm. um, there was a motivational speaker that came to the school, and no one, I was an RA, because I'm a nerd, and I know RAs are cool, no one's a nerd. Um, nerds are cool today. Nerds are totally, nerds are the thing. Nerds yes. are in. And another Gen Z fun fact, mm -hmm. they don't have, so back in the day, it was how many friends do I have, how big is my clique, now it's how intimate and real is my clique. So yeah. people have smaller populations of friends as opposed to going everywhere. I think I'm still everywhere just because I am everywhere. Well, that's your personality. Yeah, that's the way it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, the message was, the story is, um, no one went to this motivational speaker. So picture this big lecture hall. No one's in there. Uh, so they quickly called every RA, like, come in here. You're forced. You have to come watch this. And I didn't want to do it. But what I learned was amazing. So we're going to do it together. Okay. So take a breath. Release. So think of someone that you really admire and uh, like a lot in any way. And then think of three things that they've taught you indirectly or directly. And when you have those three things, go do it. Mm. Fascinating. So I took that when I went to Budokan, because I would end throughout my career forever. I look at what someone I think who is someone I admire mm -hmm. and what they're doing, and then I do it, even though it's not innately my. I'm not copying. I mean, I am. You're inspired by. I'm inspired by, and I'm following that frequency, and it works like a charm. So I the think, magic uh, formula. It, yeah. So I think if you look, if you're an entrepreneur or if you're just getting into the experiential business or marketing business, mm -hmm. it's look and see what others are doing that you admire and just do it. And that's the greatest lesson, right? I mean, that's really what the beauty of a, a what do you call them, a, a mentor is. Yeah. You know, it's not just so much talking back and forth and working things out in your brain, but just as much. What's really important is that I take these 
skills or these tools, this wisdom, and execute it. Yeah. And I think it's led me to be particularly. Uh, when I started taking with working with Menin, I was just hiring kids, like hiring people just starting in their restaurant Career. careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, managers, chefs, etc. And it was very. Um, I think I used that. Men I feel like I had made an impact. Yeah. Because I was just doing what I saw in my mentors. My second mentor would be uh, Steve Scott. Um, he was just really important. He was the director for Steven Starr in New York City. Mm -hmm. And I was privileged to like eat next to him, work next to him, have him wow. tell me to shut the safe. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> um, and he was a total jerk on the floor. And then you'd be done the day, and then he was friendly and fun. And that, wow. to me, is very emotionally abusive. However, I think what I learned there... Um, is there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. And you should be doing nothing until you know you're going to be successful at whatever that task is. So, for instance, the night's starting and there's 2,000 people coming, we're overbooked here and we're out of this, et cetera. You have to have, you have, to have that plan. Mm -hmm. You have to go execute it, all hands on deck, and then you have to drive that home. So I think that was a really big learn just mm -hmm. don't wake up and go arbitrarily through life or the day or what your task is you know i had 50 contracts come in today and i was like Ugh. and i was like no get every one of them in get the payment secured etc blah 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 but it's just a really uh it's a good lesson that i learned i also learned just the art of charm and hospitality mm. um it's a really i think i have it myself you're a little charming. a little charming you know <laughs> baby so it was uh <laughs> Yeah, that's what Steve Scott... He taught me so many things, and I think it was just watching him. Um, watching him be serious, watching him be playful. And he really... His life was... He opened a bar in Miami called Bob's Your Uncle, mm -hmm. like a little pet project for fun. And it's a... What is Bob's Your Uncle? Well, in England, they're like, Bob's Your Uncle. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> and that is how he was. And that truly, as a person, but when you met him, he was so polished and tough and, you know, strict. But really... It was all a show, and it yeah. was all just the performance of uh, the illusion, but really Bob's your uncle. And that <laughs> helps you get through a lot of stressful days. If you can stop and go, okay, this is ridiculous. We'll, we'll take care of this tomorrow. Yeah. Which is hard sometimes, I understand. One of my favorite quotes that relates to this is from Jim Rohn. You're the mm -hmm. average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So Love it. Yes. Love it. It's beautiful. So who are your mentors? Who are your friends? Yep. Who do you wake up next to in yep. the morning, right? Like all of those pieces really matter. Who gives you your Starbucks coffee? Just joking. Okay, is it Chad on. or Judy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Judy, I don't have time. Okay. <laughs> but seriously, the, the people that you surround yourself with, especially when you run a business or you're a manager, you're in the position to hire people, you're the yes. one picking your work environment. Yeah. And that's a very empowering position to be in, but choose wisely yep. because those people totally affect the environment that you're in. Yep. If you have a Debbie Downer... Mm -hmm. You're just, do you really want to be in that office? Yeah, and I think know? interview... Yeah, you bring up a good point. People you're hiring. I think the best thing from being on the one that's going to hire side... Yeah. You're really looking for a conversation. And if there is no fluidity in that interview... Right. Aside from what you can see as obvious nerves, 
It's not a good fit because you need yeah. to be able to have someone with that kind of confidence or that connection that yeah. you both vibe. I think skills can be taught, right? Like yes. there's a certain Hard amount of skills that yeah. There's a certain amount of skills that you look for when you are mm -hmm. hiring. But yeah. I'm just really looking for people that are willing to learn more yes. than anything else. Because if you know your stuff but you're yeah. not willing to grow more, that's not gonna work yep. for me. And we say this out to the uh, to the podcast world, and I think I'm just thinking right now off the top of my head. But do people ever say, "Am I one of those people not willing to learn?" You know, like we're saying this, and everyone's like, "Yeah, right." But sometimes mm -hmm. we might be that person unwilling to learn. We might be. You know, so it's just check yourself sometimes. Check in. Because you might, yeah, check yeah. in. You know, one time I got, um, I screwed up something, and some, well, in the in my life I've screwed up, <laughs> and then oh, it was a long You're time ago. <laughs> a guy came up to me and said, "Look, we want to give you this position. You're going to get promoted, blah blah blah." But we have apprehensions, and these are the apprehensions. And as he's talking, I'm getting so furious. Mm. How could you? That's ridiculous. The, who that told you that? Was going on in your mind, or were you saying that out oh, loud? Oh, of course, it was going on in my mind. Okay, I just wanted I to would make sure. Never, um, <laughs> and don't ever do that. Um, but uh, yeah, don't ever. You have to remember the business world has no place for feelings. There's a time and a place for it. The, I know that might sound counterproductive to this lovey-dovey stuff, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's a science, and emotions are not science. And he's what I took away from this was. Mm -hmm. He's not saying this for his health. He didn't wake up today to say, I'm going to go make this up about Anthony, or I'm going to go totally take what other people have said yeah. and distort it and lie to him. Well, the fact that he gave you feedback was even amazing. Yeah, because unrequited, a lot of people, but you know. Yeah, but most was people, if, if you're not a fit, they'll say, we chose to go in a different direction. I'm sorry, but I've heard that so many times yeah. about, like, about events or something else, and that's a painful response because you don't grow from it. Yes. Yes, and this was more like he was giving. I was getting the promotion. Mm. He was just scaring me. Like oh, I wow. thought I was sitting there getting the promotion, and then he just started ripping me apart. And I went home and I took a deep breath mm -hmm. as I'm driving, cursing, and I said, <laughs> "Wait, this is what the perception is, and that is what the truth is. Mm. And although I don't like it, and although I don't think it's true, I have the responsibility now and the power to fix this perception. Hashtag branding. So, <laughs> you know, I looked at, it was read wrong, or I, I do that, I didn't think it was that bad, or I don't know why that would matter here, but you know what, it does, because yeah. they said it. So a lot of, uh, you kind of have to give yourself a professional chiropractor work and kind of check yourself. You do. I've been thinking a lot about communication lately in general yeah. and how much miscommunication we live among because yep. when you're in a conversation with someone, they have an idea. Maybe it's feelings. Maybe it's an idea. They might not be fully settled on it, and then they say words, and those words are then heard by someone else and then understood differently. It's a four-step process every yes. time there's yep. communication, yep. so there's a lot of room for mess-ups, and uh -huh. that's difficult in in your professional life, in your personal life, in so many areas. So I think, especially if you're the manager or you're the owner, right, you're talking to your people, sometimes you want to tell them, like, hey, can you reiterate what I just said? Yep. I want to make sure that you got yep. that. Yeah, yeah. There's a method, um, uh, say, teach, show, do, repeat. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, 
and then I'm going to show you what you. I'm going to tell you what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what I want you to do, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to um, let you uh, do it in front of me, so I can critique it, which is very helpful. You can't always do that when you're like talking to someone right right away, but that right. idea that. It might take a few steps to beat it in, like to put, to get your message across. I also yes. think less is more. There's yes. and the brain. I, I don't know. I cannot. This might be a medical problem, but I cannot <laughs> stay focused on like after ten minutes, I'm done. And I feel like most of the world is like that, unless they're like numbers people. <laughs> um, and we all have to be. Hey, it's business, right? You right. have to be. You have to be numbers person. Um, but I, I just feel like. Get your message out as concise as possible mm -hmm. when you're speaking with people and as friendly as possible. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been at jobs where people are just miserable. Yeah. And that is just, I always try to find those people and make them uh, make them my friend. Abraham Lincoln said, do I not destroy my enemy by becoming his friend? So true. And that has helped a lot in the political world and business because you're going to run into these miserable people and you just have to, f yeah, you know what? She's miserable and that's how she is. And when she's yeah. saying things like that to you, it's not to you. It's just because she's so miserable. And then we become friends and you start learning about her and you, yeah. you know, you make a relationship. It's not all about you. But you also know? the things that irk someone else yeah. or the things that irk you and another person, yeah. it's because it's something you yourself need to work out. Sure. So I could see that. Yeah. It's just like a valuable perspective. Like the mirror effect. Yes. I agree. So yeah, communication. I think it's, um, there are so many steps, the four steps. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, I just think, um, how that would translate in just management is the showing. Mm. Let me watch me do it. Evaluate, go back, re-communicate. Yeah. People don't get that. You told me that when I first started. <laughs> of you have to show her and go through the bumps. Yeah. So yeah. And it's working out. It's Anna. working out very well. Yes, queen. Everyone loves snackadabra. Oh. Cookie cups. <laughs> Well, Try it with Bailey's. <laughs> Bailey's. Cream of spirit. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you the question we ask in every single interview. Uh -oh. What was your magic moment with food or beverage or both? That moment in your life where it might have been early on, it might have happened with friends, with family, something that made you fall in love with food. This is not a one-time experience. I will tell you what... <laughs> like a photo album ran through my head. Perfect. Um, one, photo number one. Yep. One, I'm a Taurus. A Taurus, excuse me. So <laughs> I'm a grazing bull and okay. I love to eat. Mm. That's number one. So it's always had an affinity for it. <laughs> number two, my grandmother was an ama is an amazing cook mm -hmm. and I always remember her cooking and I remember um, she made escarole soup with like little tiny meatballs mm -hmm. and it just and parmesan cheese mixed in with egg and then you heat the, the broth up really hot spin the pot and then pour in this egg parmesan cheese mixture and it made these little something special eggies with the, <laughs> with the meatballs it's very Italian and um, very simple mm -hmm. um, but that flavor you got from it was amazing um I remember, uh, you know, I'm, I would go look at restaurants before I even started, like when I was a kid and would come into the city, and I'd look, like read their menus and stuff, mm. and I'd be like, you know, my boyfriend always gets mad at me because we'll go out to eat, mm -hmm. 
and he'll say, um, you know, you're so, you're, you always have negative things to say about this or that. <laughs> and I go, well, I also say positive, but I can tell, I like what my aha moment was when I could see businesses or see menus or products or mm -hmm. ads and go, it won't work or it will. And then I could tell you why I don't think it will work. Um, so, you know, for instance, there's a place called District Taco down mm -hmm. in with the new trendy spot. Yes. It's a big space. It's like two floors, but it's like loft, right? They're selling tacos. So how much can you price a taco to pay that rent? You know what I mean? Yeah. So they found this really soft spot for price. They made it really, you can get it very quick. They kept it kind of upscale, like a little brighter and lighter than like say a Chipotle. Mm -hmm. Super fresh, super quick. It's going to last because yeah. it's, it's, a lot of places in prime locations don't last because the concept's not clean enough or not quick enough. But I just think when I was younger, I'd go look at these restaurants and I'd be like, I'd fix this, or I would do that. Very editorial, yeah. not necessarily criticism. Yeah, I got but that. But seeing how we could kind of take off the excess to make it a little cleaner or sexier. Yeah. When I walk into a place, I always notice lighting. Critical. Yeah. So does Steven Starr, really? by the way. Ooh. FYI, Maybe fun I need fact, to interview him critical. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a well, big because, one. Well, because, for example, you walk into a McDonald's, it's super bright. It's meant to keep you in there for five minutes while you get your food and then out. They don't yes. want you sitting and chilling there and for a long time. And hanging out, unlike a Starbucks, yeah. which is a little more subdued. Totally. But I really always appreciate, like, yellow lighting. You yes. know, like that soft, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. the coils. Like tinted lighting. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's meant to make you feel like... Cozy. You're, yes. you're being hugged. Mm. I agree. You're being hugged as I you like eat it. good food. Yep. It's like yep. a double hug. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Anthony, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to no, share with our listeners? No, thank you for listeners? having me. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, it's been so fun. I wish everyone listening was in the room and we could have a big talk. Oh, we'll just throw one a party day. one yeah, day. Yeah, we'll have a party, a podcast party, a mm. pod party. I love that. With cookie cups. And Bailey's. And Bailey's. Cream <laughs> <Clean> spirit. Uh, <laughs> Please let us know. How can people connect with you? What's your Instagram? What's your email? Um, I would say Instagram is probably the best. Because yes. if you go into my email, I'm in such work mode. Yes. You and get, I'll just like, ah, I'll just forget it. Um, but if you want to like get on a get me, yeah. go through Instagram. Slide into my DMs, if you know what I mean. Um, it's at Anthony J-W-A-R-K. Um, but I, <laughs> that's the only thing that alerts me. My texts don't alert me. My emails don't alert me. Slide into that DM. DM. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me for this magical episode of the Food Magic Podcast. Thanks for having me. Make sure to tune in to next week's episode. And in the meantime, spread the love. Check us out on Instagram or our website, Food Magic Podcast. Mwah!